Hi, everyone. Welcome to Healthy State of Mind, a web series and podcast all about mental health and wellness. Today, we have a special Q&A episode, and I will be your host. And my co-host is... Dr. Tracy Murray from Auctioner Health. Yes. <laughs> Role reversal. So today, we have a Q&A episode where we are going to be taking your questions that you have submitted to us on our social channels, and we are going to be answering them. So... We have a little bit of a theme happening in today's uh-huh. questions, okay. a lot of anxiety, a right. lot of therapy talk, a little right. bit of depression. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, mm-hmm. I'm going to jump right in. Yeah. How does that sound? Sounds good. Okay. So let's start off with trauma. Let's just dive mm. right in. Question one. Okay. Is there a certain age at which it's too late to heal from trauma? Never. Never. And never. There's never a certain age because your trauma never goes away, right? Um, I would say for a lot of people, readiness to delve into it is probably the biggest thing. Some people just aren't ready until later in life, earlier in life, but there is never anything too late. You're still here. Mm-hmm. You can still do and manage and your life can improve. The thing about trauma treatment is it's very effective Okay, and you can find improvements if you fully engage if you're fully committed to it rather quickly okay but assessing your readiness is important follow-up question Mm -hmm. how do you know that you're ready you i would recommend saying hey if you're in a space to seek out treatment (laughs) some people aren't some people are and if you're unsure seek out treatment anyway and at that first appointment your provider or your therapist will have the conversation about what it means to engage in trauma-focused treatment, and you can have a dialogue. Sometimes when I used to treat PTSD and acute stress disorder, we didn't dive right into the trauma. I built coping skills first. I talked to them about deep breathing, mind and body connection, healthy sleep, the stress tolerance, because talking about trauma will bring up some emotions. That's what we need it to do. Bring it up so we can process it and live life in a healthy way. So even though you're going in for trauma treatment, you might not necessarily start off with that. They might start off with building coping. And that might be enough for some people. Some people don't need to do specific types of treatment. There's a couple that are like there's cognitive processing therapy. There's prolonged exposure. And some people do acceptance and commitment therapy for PTSD or Mm -hmm. a combination thereof. Right. Mm -hmm. So all determining what the fit is for you or if you are okay with coping mm-hmm. mechanisms, but there's never, it's never too late. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like that. So it's never too late. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. Second question mm-hmm. also about trauma. Mm-hmm. What do you do if you feel ap- apathetic toward your trauma? <sighs> apathetic meaning numbness or I nothingness. Nothingness. Like you know right. that you have that you have experienced trauma and it's like impacting your life or hindering you from moving forward, Mm -hmm. but you just don't really feel like. Mm -hmm. I would say that that could be a symptom of the trauma, not necessarily how you're truly feeling about said trauma, depending on the situation. Some people, if they're diagnosed, remember trauma and what we call sequelae or the side effects from experiencing a trauma can lead to different things. PTSD is one of them. Sometimes it leads to depression, sometimes uh, really bad anxiety, OCD. So it, it depends. If we're talking about PTSD, a symptom of that is not being able to feel a full range of emotions. Mm. So you're, 
might not necessarily be feeling that way might be the symptom of what came out of experiencing a trauma. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I would say still push through and think of what the utility of treatment would be because not all people who've experienced a trauma go on to develop PTSD, depression, anxiety. A lot of people, higher percentage, last time I checked it was somewhere up of, uh, don't quote me, it's high percent mm -hmm. <laughs> um, of people experience some sort of trauma in across their lifespan. But not everyone, 8% uh, of that, I think it's 8% of 89% the last time I looked, go on to develop uh, some sort of issue or psychological need with that. Okay. So some people may not need to talk about their trauma if it's not impacting their life, they're not having symptomology, and they feel like they've spontaneously recovered from it. Mm -hmm. We'll have a whole segment on trauma. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Mm -hmm. Okay. We have another question. Mm -hmm. Um, why is depression so daunting to treat effectively? Um, that's a multi-tiered answer. Yeah. So I'll start with treatment specifically needs to match the symptoms or match the fit of the person. There's not one treatment that works for depression. There's plenty of treatments. So when I'm working with a patient, I ask, we do a psychological evaluation is the first one. People call it an intake, right? So I'm really delving into what portions of depression are the person experiencing. We have a segment on depression that goes into that there are many symptoms of depression. If a person is experiencing a lot of physical symptoms, then I'll work with that. If there are a lot of cognitive symptoms or thoughts, then I'll work with that. If they've dealt with depression on and off for their whole life, then I'll work with that. Also, sometimes depression can be biologically led. I won't say cause, but I'll say led. So if chemicals in your body aren't doing well, if your thyroid isn't functioning, if you're menopausal and your hormones are out of whack, we have to simultaneously address the medical part with the psychological one. Mm. Sometimes people do need medications to help balance those chemicals out. One without the other, it's not gonna be effective because okay. we're only addressing one portion of you as a human being. We have to address both in that case. Um, I would say fit of the therapy um, and with the therapist too. Readiness, individual readiness, right? If you're going into it, you only meet with a provider however long you meet. It takes work outside mm -hmm. of the provider as well. It takes you doing, you engaging. Therapist lays a blueprint, you work it, right? Lays out the map, you ride the map, right? right? So it's a little bit. A lot of people have the expectation that you're coming into therapy to be fixed. It's not necessarily anything wrong with you. You're just experiencing something. Mm -hmm. But you have to be the conductor on your train. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. That's I'll why say. we determine readiness and fit with the provider. Not everybody fits. This is a different type of therapeutic relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. So that that I'm going to hop down our uh -huh. list um, to kind of stay on theme here with fit sure. for therapist. So what are some things to consider when you're looking for the right therapist for you? Right. Uh, I would say sometimes uh, virtual versus in person. We'll start with that. We have across the United States an access issue, meaning there are not enough providers to provide treatment for people in need. 
So it's been the case for a while, which is okay. But now we have the option of teletherapy, mm-hmm. right? Virtual therapy, but not every person or every issue or what you're trying to work with is appropriate for teletherapy. Mm-hmm. If you're isolating to the home, I don't necessarily want you to stay at home for treatment. I want you to come in, mm-hmm. right? So that can be a case. If you're only doing virtual therapy, you find, oh, it's not working. It could be the fact that it's virtual. It could be the fact that you need to come in. Yeah. Vice versa. If a person has limited access to transportation, there's a lot going on at home where they need to stay home or can't get in as frequently, then in person might not work for you. Mm-hmm. Right. So first determining what method of administration, how you're going to get your therapy. The next is you can have preferences for a therapist, but don't let that deter you from seeking help. Some people want uh, gender matching, right? Some people want age matching. Some people want racial matching. Some people want someone who has exactly experienced what they've experienced. I would say it's okay to seek that out, but don't let that stop you because you may fit in a way you think you didn't fit. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. The first appointment is usually different than appointments thereafter. If I'm doing a psychological evaluation, I often tell people this one won't be like other ones. I have to get a lot of information from you, ask you a lot of questions to see what will fit. So that's not how subsequent therapies work, right? Um, So give it at least three tries before you see if it's not a good fit. Right. Right. So (laughs) be prepared for your first couple of sessions to To, be a lot of... To be a lot of rapport building is what we call it and to see if it's a fit. Mm-hmm. But to abandon it after the first one, unless something really, really bad happens, unless it's like just a, you can't get past something they said or something like that. If you're like, mm, but we really didn't connect, go back again mm-hmm. and go back a third time just to see if it's true. Because remember, you're going into therapy for the first appointment. You're you're going to have a little bit of a wall up essentially mm-hmm. sometimes it's honestly like kind of like dating it is you know you don't know right or interviews even yeah you you're know? trying to build and the therapeutic relationship is quite different than a medical one with a primary like with the physician it's, it's kind of different yeah mm-hmm. so i could see how all of these steps could be a lot mm-hmm. for someone to take when they're seeking therapy. In your experience, what has been the biggest deterrence for people seeking therapy? Mm-hmm. And how do they overcome it? Is it the technical things like do they match what I'm looking for or is it just the vulnerability of having to tell someone your thoughts? I would say a combination thereof. Um, whenever we're talking about you being vulnerable with the person, that vulnerability is professional. So the first thing I want people to realize is that that person is not here to judge you, right? That person should not be here to judge you. They're an unbiased person. If I'm working with someone and I feel like I can't be objective, or this is why we don't treat people we know. <laughs> right. You can't be unbiased. Right. You'll always it, have some you'll type always of like have personal opinion. And that is a or... conflict of interest. Right. So that's one to think about. Um, another thing to think about is it's okay to feel uncomfortable. 
So the discomfort with the therapeutic situation is okay. Just don't let it stop you. People naturally avoid talking about things that don't feel good. That's your brain. Your brain doesn't want you to do it, but push through. Knowing that talking about these things, working, treatment, doing things outside in the end will help you. Stigma as well. Just the idea that if I seek out help, I must be weak. I must I not. I can't stand that. It's very real. I know. For people. I know. I think the new curve of things is going. But if we were meant to handle things on our own, we'd be I am legend. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> that yeah. old movie, I am. Not old. Oh, it's old now. It's it. One man on earth. Mm-hmm. Right? We're here. And people have developed these types of skills to be able to help for a purpose. A lot of times, maybe therapy in the traditional sense, is just not a good fit. There are other options too. Some people who are, I, I would say there are other options, just see where it fits in your life. Some people may need um, coaching. Um, but remember, very specific things. If you're having severe issues, Coaching is not necessarily, may not be the best fit. You need someone who's strategically trained in that, trauma specifically. I can't coach you through your trauma per se. Mm -hmm. So fit. Some people may need groups. Some people may need individuals. Some people may need higher levels of care. But the first and most difficult step is just going to see what you need. Mm -hmm. And it's not a weakness. It's a strength to say, hey. I just need to talk to somebody to figure out what I need to do. Because you're still doing it. We're just laying the blueprint, remember? Right. You still have to do it. Right. We're not solving you. We're not fixing you. You still have to do it. Yeah. So if that's the weakness that you think about, turn it around because you still have to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That leads perfectly into the next question. And I know that it'll be different for everyone. Yeah. But how long will it take me to heal once I start therapy is what someone asked. Mm. Well, uh, let me see. <laughs> that word healing is a difficult word. Healing assumes It's that a buzzword right now on social media. I mean, is it? Yes. Everyone is talking about their healing journey, healing journey. Ah, journey. That's the word. Okay. Journey. I would rather say he I would rather say my wellness journey than healing because healing says that you're broken. When I don't assume anyone is broken, wellness journey is an appropriate fit. So if you're looking at yourself as broken, it'll take a while. Some people, depending on the circumstances, how they were raised, how strong symptoms are, what their current circumstances may have to cyclically and episodically be in treatment for their whole life. That's not a bad thing. You go to the gym. Mm. If you stop going to the gym, what happens? You lose muscle. You lose muscle. Brain is a muscle too. You got to work it. Oh, that's beautiful. So some people, if it's situational, like something happened, you lost your job. Now you're managing depression and anxiety related to the job loss. It could be a one-time stop. But if it's okay, if you have to go back periodically. I would say healing or wellness depends on a lot of factors. How much you invest, if the treatment is appropriate to what you're dealing with, um, if you're doing the things outside that you need to be doing, 
And we're saying this like there's nothing that goes on in the world that influences us, right? Mm. We're saying we need to be healed when the world is like this. Yeah. It is not linear. So healing isn't this. Healing isn't downslope either. It's it up is and down, up, up and down. down. As long as you're on the journey, I would say you're healed. Oh, that's so nice. Okay. I love that. Um, hmm. Second to last question. Mm-hmm. This is an important one, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. How do you interact with people in your life who are not emotionally mature or maybe who have not started their healing journeys? Boundaries. Boundaries. We have an episode all about boundaries. First, um, depending on who they are to you, and if you want to or not, check yourself, self-awareness. Um, you can bring it up to them if you feel comfortable to do so. How they react is how they react. If you feel the need to say something, do so in a very non-threatening way, if you want to. If you don't want to, then it's boundaries. If you've tried to over and over again and that person isn't changing, the term is called radical acceptance. It comes from the dialectic and behavioral therapy of Dr. Marshall Linehan. Great book. <laughs> um, for the professional, not for the layperson. It's saying that, hey, I have tried my everything that I could. You're not receiving me. And it's now harming me to try. It's now causing me something to try, making me outside of myself to try to help you. Let me take a step back and accept you for who you are and where you are and set up whatever boundary I want in this relationship and move on with that. It's sad that you have to do that, Mm -hmm. but it is better than the alternative. It is better than resentment. It is better than guilt. It is better than shame. It is better than feeling disheartened. It's sad that you have to do this, but it is to protect you. Mm-hmm. You can help someone as long as it's not to your detriment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you try to, and they're still coworkers, family, friends, a partner, radical acceptance and boundaries. Okay. Boundaries are a door, though, not a brick wall. Right. It's a door you open and close. You close the door, and if they start acting right, <laughs> then you can it. crack the door. Yeah. If they start acting up, you may want to put the chain on, mm-hmm. boat, mm-hmm. right? Anyone can change across a lifespan, but if it's to your detriment to remain in that space with them, to try and help them, I would say take, take a step back. Okay. Can't help them if you're not helped. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, um, that leads me to another question, sure. which is not one of our submissions, mm-hmm. but it's something that I've heard yeah. in media mm-hmm. um, about like, boundary setting but also kind of like family dynamics or even just people you're close with Mm -hmm. is it what do you think about um i'm going to try to get the wording right but it's something like people see you or treat you as the version that they know Mm -hmm. that they had the most power over so i'll use i'll use my life as an example for Mm -hmm. that i have a family member who i love who they love me but they still see me as a child. Mm-hmm. 
And sometimes it's hard for them to see me as a free-thinking grown adult. Right. And I'm sure so many other people watching this or listening to this right. can relate. Right, right, right. So do you agree with – and if so, how can we assert ourselves in these relationships as mm -hmm. who we are now? Right. I would say sometimes nothing is hard and fast. That could be a very true element depending on the dynamics. Mm -hmm. The intention of doing that, I can't say because it's the other person and the way they're behaving towards you. Mm -hmm. The only thing I can say is your response to that, right? So for whatever reason why they're doing it, we don't know. It's yeah. not even necessarily important unless you want to try to resolve it. And in the end... You only want to resolve it within yourself anyways, depending on where you are. First thing is recognize what's happening, right? Recognize that it is causing you pause. Some people say, well, that doesn't bother me. Oh, she does that all the time. But it is. So recognize, call a spade a spade, a dime a dime. Nickels are not wooden, what mm -hmm. <laughs> my mom says. Mm -hmm. Call it what it is. And then proceed assertively. You're not blaming the person when you do that. You said, when you do this, I feel. Mm -hmm. That is the phrase. You could plug, bam, plug it in. Use everything with that. When you question me, I feel like my thoughts don't matter. When you decide for me, I feel unheard. If that person cares about you, they will make behavioral changes. You can also suggest changes to them. What I would like to see is that you come and consult me first, mm. right? Mm -hmm. If that's the situation. Sure. Assertiveness. Timing does matter when you're assertive. Make sure they're full, fat, and happy. Mm -hmm. Don't come at them stepping in the door if it's a partner. Mm -hmm. If it's a mom, don't come. So timing is everything. The next step, if they don't follow through, boundaries and radical acceptance. Because now you're saying, I have told you what this does for me. I have even given you suggestions on what will work for me. I didn't even blame you. Just what will work for me. You either didn't hear me clearly. Let me know if that's the case. You don't care. You don't care to change. Mm -hmm. That's your bad. I can't make you change. I can't make you see things. I am just going to respond to your response with the way that's best for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Our last question I think is something I have thought about in the past. I think it's something that maybe we naturally go to as a quick fix in air quotes because we don't need to be fixed. We're not broken. Mm -hmm. But when should you consider medication mm -hmm. for anxiety, depression? Mm -hmm. Again, a multi-tier question. Mm -hmm. um, first thing I would say is – it's not necessarily for you to decide when because there are different classes of medication. It's for you to talk with someone with expertise about it. What you may be feeling is not necessarily what you think it is, right? There are different treatments for different things. If we're talking about, let's say, pure depression, major depressive disorder, mm -hmm. on and on, on and off for a long time then you may want to consider antidepressant if you feel really deep in the pit, right? If you feel so down, you can't even pull yourself to go to treatment. I got to give you a boost to be able to engage in treatment. If you can't, 
If your mind is racing too fast in terms of anxiety, we got to get something to slow that down so you can engage so we can talk about it. Mm -hmm. So if the intensity of your symptoms is real high, if the frequency at which they're coming is something you can't control and if they're lasting a long time, that could be one indication. We got to turn that dial down. Also, if your symptoms are highly medically related, Trouble with thyroid, like I talked about before. People call it thyroid storming when they feel like they're having a panic attack all the time. Mm -hmm. Treatment, even medications for depression and anxiety, won't touch it if it's a medical cause. You need thyroid medicine. Yeah. <laughs> and then once things settle down, we may be able to see what's there. Um, if you're having menopausal symptoms or for men if their testosterone is low, we need to treat that before we even think about antidepressant, anti-anxiety medications and treatment. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's peer depression going where it's not any of those medical causes, you still can't engage or you've been in therapy for a while and nothing is lifting. What I do is this is can be pro provider specific, but I'll say people, if they come in, do you want to try an antidepressant medication if it's appropriate? Um, well, we can have your oncologist, or your primary care write some oh, no, I'd want to try this first. What I say is, all right, if we're a few sessions in and I don't see movement, I have to assume that there is a chemical component, that your serotonin, you need that, is <laughs> not flowing through your brain appropriately, or you're so anxious that you can't even pay attention to what we're doing, or your avoidance is so high that you can't even do the things that help, the dial is too high. The intensity of it is too high. Mm -hmm. So it's, that's just, that's my approach. Everyone's approach is different. Some people stay away. Some people automatically go towards. Mm -hmm. it, it just depends. Right, right. They work better together, I would say, than apart, depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's all that we have for you today. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Murray. Of course. Thank you for watching and listening to Healthy State of Mind, Oshner Health's web series on all things mental health and wellness. Just a reminder that this is not meant to come across as a relationship with you with therapy, and we encourage you to seek out professional therapy and providers for yourself. If you have questions for us that you would like us to answer in future episodes, please feel free to reach out to us on social media. You can find Oshner Health across all platforms at Oshner Health. And be sure to check the caption below for resources and links for you for all things on mental health and wellness. And once again, I am Caitlin Heckel, digital content specialist here at Oshner. And my co-host today and the main host of Healthy State <laughs> of Mind is Dr. Tracy Murray. Thank you for joining us and we will catch you next time. Bye.